Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. This week, we read from Parshat Maseh, the final Torah portion in the Book of Numbers. I think it's a great portion, because part of it contains the stopping points, the itinerary of the people as they went from Egypt to the border of the land of Canaan. In many parts of Parshat Maseh, there's just a list, a list of places. They went from here and they camped there, and then they went from that place and they camped at the next place. We don't hear much about those places, only the name. Some of them, there's a bit of a story attached to it, but most of the time, it's just the name. And I think that it's very significant to think about people who might have heard that list. If, if we imagine Moses actually reminding the people of the places they were, and pausing after each place to let people think about what their memories of that place were. I'm sure that some people had memories of some places that other people forgot because they weren't significant to them. But that's the story of our lives. There are places we go to, places that we visit, places that we find ourselves in that become extraordinarily significant to us, while another person visiting those places would not find any significance. And that's because we are all each on our own personal journeys. Today and next week, I want to share with you my journey to become a rabbi and the five places that were most important to me in that decision. I do that for two reasons. First of all, because I, I want it to be a, mo a role model, a paradigm for you to do the same thing, to think about the places that helped you, that were significant to you, to become the person you are today. And the second reason is because many people say to me, either uh, as a challenge or in a very supportive way, what possible reason could you have, been, could you have uh, was behind your decision to become a rabbi? Why did you become a rabbi? And whenever I hear those questions, I always answer it by telling people about the places that meant something to me, that enabled me to make this decision that led me to make the decision to become a rabbi. And so I want to talk to you this week and next week about five places, three this week, two next week. Three places this week that led me to that decision and two places that I was at after I made that decision that were really instrumental in having me see it through and in fact become a rabbi. So let me start with the three places that led me to the decision to want to become a rabbi. And I have to start with my home because I think that's where it starts for so many people. We didn't come from, I didn't come from a, a very traditionally observant family, especially not at first. We became more observant as time went along, especially since my brother, who was older than I am, in fact, wanted to become a rabbi. In fact, he did become a rabbi. And so in order to to help him, to support him, the family became more observant, but we were never traditionally observant 100%. But there was a love of Judaism. There was a love of tradition. There was an emphasis on values, whether they were subtly connected with Judaism or overtly connected with Jewish holidays or Jewish ideas. And I have to start there with what my parents and my grandmother, whom we, who lived with us, helped to create a home where Judaism, in its own way, was important. 
The next place was our synagogue. I grew up at Congregation Kehillath Israel in Brookline, Massachusetts. And I can only say this. I would hope that the young people who grew up in congregations that I served as a rabbi have the same respectful, warm, and, and uh, positive feelings about the congregation that they grew up with as I do about KI. It was a phenomenal congregation. It still is. It was a congregation that had a history of uh, producing rabbis and cantors and Jewish educators, so many that it's, it's impossible to count in some ways the number of rabbis that came out of KI or were influenced by KI. It was a, we had a very, very serious Hebrew school education. Did I love it every minute? No, I didn't. Did I want to play Little League? Of course I did, but I didn't because we went to Hebrew school four afternoons a week and Sunday morning. And as I often say to people, and you, you wouldn't believe this, but on school vacation weeks in February, we went to Hebrew school on a Sunday morning schedule throughout that week so as to get every opportunity for Jewish education. And we were expected to attend Shabbat services with junior congregation on Saturday morning, which I did. So for many years, I was at the synagogue almost every day of the week. And we were surrounded by people who wanted to share with us the beauty of Judaism, the seriousness of Judaism, and the importance and the expectation that we would continue to be committed to Judaism as we grew up. It was a truly astounding place. And when I talk to my friends who came from KI and who are now rabbis, or even those who aren't rabbis, but are just involved in Jewish communities, we all look back and say, this is the impact that a synagogue can have. And I hope, again, as I say, that young people that grew up in the congregations I've served feel the same way. May, I don't, not comparing the congregate, my job as a, my role as a rabbi, my work as a rabbi to that which happened at KI, but I'd like to think that people in their own way have as warm feelings and can trace their interest in Judaism back to what happened in our synagogues. I hope that that's the case. But I also say with no false modesty that what KI did was just incredibly, incredibly impressive. And I know that as hard as I worked as a rabbi and as proud as I am of the work that we did in many in the congregations that I've served, KI still stands as the model, the model of, of the importance of what a congregation can be, because that's what it meant to me. So there I am, having spent many of my high school days at junior congregation, our teenage congregation, and in USY, or youth group, and doing some tutoring or assisting in the Hebrew school or whatever, finding myself in the synagogue very often, certainly on Shabbat morning. And here I am about to go off to college. I wanted to go to college at a small New England college, someplace in a small town. I had ideas of a couple that fit that particular model and I applied to them and I got into one of them in a rather small city, not in Massachusetts, but in New England. And it was a wonderful school. It was exactly what I thought I wanted. And when I was accepted there, 
I really said to my parents, I think this is where I want to go. And we went back and visited the second time. And this time I met with the rabbi from that small city who was in fact kind of an adjunct leader of Hillel at this small college, a very small Hillel group. He talked to me about what my interests were, about who I was, about what, what kind of life I lived. And he, in fact, begged me, very interesting, I still remember, not to go to school there, not to, not to go to that college. Not because he didn't think it was a good school, of course he did, but because he felt that I wouldn't be satisfied with the Jewish community and that I needed something more. I had also been accepted to Brandeis University, much closer to home, another fine school, no question about it. And I really didn't want to go. And the reason I didn't want to go was because my brother at that time was entering his senior year at Brandeis. My brother and I are extremely close then and even closer now. And I didn't want to follow in his footsteps. I wanted to branch out someplace different, but it wasn't to be. And I accepted it. accepted the offer at Brandeis. And it was the best decision I could have made not only because it was a great vibrant Jewish community where I learned a lot of things and I participated in Hillel and all of that, but because of two other factors that were absolutely essential in my decision to become a rabbi. The first was that I started to take classes in the Department of Near Eastern and Judaic Studies and was fascinated by Jewish studies, especially Bible, which I studied with uh, Dr. Nachum Sarnas, Yechonoli Vrachav, was the best teacher I ever had in any subject at any school, who inspired an interest in academic Jewish study within me and other, other teachers there too, but I mentioned to him in, him in particular. And I learned that there was a real academic discipline of Jewish studies that went beyond what we learned in Hebrew school and in Hebrew high school. And I was fascinated by it. I ended up majoring in Near Eastern and Judaic studies and I just, I just loved the classes that I took, fascinated by it. And I decided that I wanted to continue to study seriously Jewish texts and Jewish tradition. And that came from the Judaic Studies Department. And the second aspect of it was the influence of another individual at Brandeis. And I, I will mention his name. I'm sure if he were to ever hear this podcast, he would be... Uh, he would be embarrassed that I give him so much credit, but I will say it anyway. Our Hillel rabbi at Brandeis, who was Rabbi Al Axarad, he really, to me, was a role model in many ways. First of all, he was politically active. He was a political activist, and I was impressed with the way that he would encourage us to become active politically, whether it was dealing with Soviet Jewry, whether it was dealing, uh, at that time, the war in Vietnam was, uh, was, was winding down. I know he had been very much involved in protesting the war in Vietnam, but also in terms of just his, his interest in what was happening in Israel shortly after, as it turned out, only seven, eight years after the Six-Day War, where he was already thinking about and helping us to think about how the, the situation in, in the West Bank at that time in Sinai as well could possibly be reconciled. Fascinating to listen to him and to think about ideas that were at the time were outside the box for me. Second thing that he did 
was at one time, and I honestly don't remember whether this was one month, a semester, a year, he convened a group of people to study from what's known as Sefer Agadah, the Book of Legends, fantastic collection of the legends of, of the rabbinic literature. You can get it in, in, in bookstores. It's fascinating if you don't have it, the Book of Legends. You can just sit and read it. You don't need any background in Jewish studies. You can get it in English. It's, it's fascinating. But the section that we studied with him, and I believe we studied in Hebrew, the section we studied him with him was the section about in the Sefer Agadah, in the Book of Legends, that dealt with, in essence, how to be a mensch. It wasn't called that way, but the values involved in interpersonal relationships in the world. And that fascinated me because it made me see Jewish texts not just as academic, but as really leading us to actions in our lives, to the way that we should live, to the priorities that we should have in our lives. And his gentle way of teaching these texts just really inspired me to say there's more to Jewish text than just learning history or, or, or the Hebrew language or, or, or uh, whatever, or, or theology or philosophy. There was real practical matters of how to live our lives. And that really made a difference to me because it made me say, I don't want to only study academically Jewish. I want to find something to do with it that will inspire action for me and hopefully the people that I teach. And that led me, that led to the third reason why I remember Rabbi Axelrod today. And that is that he sat me down once and he said, have you ever thought of being a rabbi? He knew me pretty well at that point. And I said, well, I thought about it at times, but you know, my brother's a rabbi and I, I he, my brother's studying to be a rabbi and I don't want to continue. I already followed him to Brandeis. I don't want to follow him to the Jewish Theological Seminary as well. Rabbi Axelrod, looked at me and said, I can't believe you're saying this. You're going to let your brother decide what your career is going to be? Even in, even in this way of saying, I didn't want to fall in his footsteps. And he told me, he said, you have the makings of a wonderful rabbi. You sh if that's what you want to do, you should do it. And I remember going back to my dorm that day and thinking about it. And in the morning, calling my parents and saying, you know, I made a decision. I'm going to apply to rabbinical school. And in fact, I did. And the rest is history, as we say, which we'll talk about next week. So those three places, my home, my synagogue, and my college, each of which laid the groundwork for a decision to become a rabbi. Again, I know that this podcast episode is very personal gives you a chance to know me a little better. By the way, some of these stories I tell in the book that I wrote, The Long Way Around, Stories and Sermons from a Life's Journey. But I wanted you to hear them because I want you to understand what goes into the decision to become a rabbi, at least in my case, and more importantly, so that you will look back on your life and say, where were the places and who were the people and what were the events that led you to who you are today? Next week, two more places that became important to me as I decided, as I had decided to become a rabbi and helped me, in fact, complete the pursuit of that goal. Until next time, thank you.